0: Welcome to the Enneagram with Chelsea and Nicoel. This is a positively deviant culture podcast anchored in the Enneagram. The provocation that we want to unpack with you today.
1: I believe, and I think you are in agreement with me, uh, that no one should really be in the same job for more than a year. And I have really tested this out, you know, with the people that I've worked with over the last ten years or so, and I think that it's consistently true. That usually humans learn their job really well within about a year. And in our day and age and in the times that we live in, I really think that it's in the best interest of individuals and the best interest of companies if this was a new standard and a new expectation. Not that they have to, that they could stay in their same position if they so choose, but that culturally this would be a huge shift in that. You know, the typical expectation would be no one would be in their job much longer than a year, you know, two at the tops before moving on to a different position or even out of the company and into a new company. I absolutely agree. And
0: it's been my experience that that's where the most satisfactory growth and impactful roles that I've carried have been. Yet I feel like I'm personally fighting this assumption that people who can get in a role and stay there for a really, really long time are somehow adding a different kind of value. And so in this conversation, we are going to unpack some of the values that we're seeing companies uphold in terms of rewards and even perspectives on recruiting. And it just all comes down to the underlying values, which we're here to challenge, to say, actually, we believe there's a better way and that there's a lot of pain inflicted and stagnation and lack of growth when people stay in roles longer
1: than a year. What are the most excellent uh, type of people that we want to hire and that we want to work with? The question becomes, in what environment and under which conditions do these kind of individuals flourish and are able to do their job to the best degree possible? And those are two different questions, but they often align in terms of flourishing and in terms of being able to do their job with the least amount of friction. And so this is how it's come up for me working with individuals is that I am trying to locate different individuals' intelligence, what they bring to the table, and also to support the gaps in people's knowledge and people's ability and people's skills, but essentially all add up to the same thing, which is how do we get people to be more uh, self-solving more resourceful, you know, having high risk tolerance that signals an ability to adapt, to to be in change, to grow. What are all of these elements that we appreciate the most and that we find the most valuable inside our leadership, inside our teams and inside individual contributors? They tend to be pretty consistent. However, when we're not looking for ways in which to support that intelligence in terms of either sustaining or growing that intelligence. And I think one of the ways that we can help establish this more, if everyone has the mindset that we would change jobs after a year. And the goal behind that is so that we can grow. So how long does it take us to actually get really efficient And to learn and an excellence inside a particular job, most of the time, it doesn't take more than a year. There's all kinds of exceptions to that. And I don't wanna deny those exceptions, but typically it's about a year. So here we are, like, what would that look like? And, And as I've helped individuals get out of roles every year, they're absolutely more happy and they're kind of blown away because it isn't within their thinking of what is acceptable or something that should happen for them. And yet it's pretty successful. So one thing I noticed about what you were talking about
0: with these qualities of these HVAs, high value assets, is that you were describing the way that they approach the work in terms of problem solving and the way that they think and resourcefulness and less about the mastery of product knowledge or process knowledge or the actual practical execution of the company and role specific details and job requirements. And I think one of the major obstacles or objections that people listening might think is, wait a minute, get enroll, like learn the role and thinking like, oh, that brings a level of continuity and mastery and consistency. But I think the question that we're trying to Uh, help others engage with and think through is at what loss. I think when we over index on, yeah, you're really good at doing this very specific, very detailed, um, very aligned to your job and company, you're kind of missing the bigger opportunity.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good pushback in the sense of that there is domain knowledge that is really important that companies have and and retain and and consistency and repeatability and durability. (laughs) All of these qualities that our companies are looking for are important, and I don't want to diminish that importance. But what I think is equally and more important is how individuals are growing and within the needs that each human has in their job to be balanced out and potentially I would argue even prioritized over the company's needs. And the reason why is that if you're prioritizing individuals needs over time, the company always wins. Even if those individuals leave a company, it still is better for the company that certain individuals leave because there isn't enough alignment to meet those needs, just like relationships, right? So if we're able to do both in an intelligent way, where we're, where the individuals win and also the business wins, we have to come up with more complex systems and standards and adjustments in order to make that happen. And I would argue too that even domain knowledge doesn't have to go away. It can just be applied differently. You know, you have people who are in the same industry and have all of this knowledge, if they desire to move up and have different roles, we all know this, that that's why we have a kind of hierarchical structure is that you start here and then you go here and then you go here and all of that knowledge transfers. So we intellectually understand that the knowledge transfer is quite easy and it's there. So why do we have a problem with people making lateral moves in any direction with that same knowledge? And why aren't we more able to speed up the upward movement if somebody has um, a desire to to move up more quickly when they've already established a certain competency? And the reason why is because companies don't want to have that much movement and it's more expensive because if everyone is moving every year, they're going to have to spend a lot more money to pay them, even though they're absolutely more valuable. And if you do all the math, you know, that's more complicated. Usually, as a company grows, they need more intelligence and more workforce. Anyway, so the math just isn't being done in, in, in any comprehensive way. It's being done based on, you know, traditional measurements of cost versus benef- benefit, not as expansive as it could be done, which we look more closely. I think it serves the company and is less costly to invest in individuals goals when they don't hurt the business goals very long. So it's a very short-term cost for a business in order for them to not only recover, but to get a huge advantage into next cycles. And the ways that companies are currently set
0: up and the, the systems that keep people in a certain role for an extended period of time actually create a risk because you have all this domain knowledge that's kind of locked in a specific area, whether it's a team or a department. And when you can unlock that and not only remove barriers or allow for it, but encourage it, then you get this exponential factor of this interdomain knowledge, which is a term we talked about a little bit in thinking about this conversation, as well as protecting yourself against risk from someone who has tons of deep and extensive, not only domain knowledge, but really ownership of that. And if they're to leave, then you're really compromised in a way because you haven't been transferring knowledge and i see this a lot i think it comes from our fears whether it's the company's fears or managers fears they want to kind of keep all the things that they've been working towards building and growing and developing in terms of these people and their knowledge within their team and so there's a huge fear for managers in saying like i I hired this person i developed them i trained them and now i need to do all of that again because they're going to move to someone else's team
1: Yes, that and the threat of somebody else taking over your position is a common human fear as well, even if it's not uh, super conscious. So I think that it is a complex problem to solve. What I wanna note here is that I don't have the ideal solution, but what I want to recognize, and I think I wanna bring to the table, is this idea that most humans do better, perform better, stay engaged longer, and grow faster, more efficiently with higher competency when they are moving regularly. And it kind of matches, I mean, in, in one way, I kind of think of, you know, school. And, you know, university, we have grades. We don't even stay in our grade longer than a year, right? So as we're developing and growing, we've already kind of established in a weird way. And I wonder if this is why the statistics continue to work out this way in adulthood, that usually our transition time is kind of within a year. And I wonder if it's because it's paralleling how we were raised in terms of school this could be a better practice to continue throughout one's career. And again, there are absolute exceptions. I'm not advocating for this to be hundred percent across the board in every single role, but I think that for most humans and most jobs, this is the best strategy. Previously, our values were reflected in lifers. Like you would get a job
0: and you would have absolute company loyalty and the company was loyal to their employees in a different way And in a a more enriched way than we see today. And now I think we're kind of in this middle space where like four, six, nine years, that's still a tremendous amount of time. But what we're advocating for with six months or 12 months is going to reshape what a resume would look like. And I know historically, having interviewed a lot of people and looked at a lot of resumes, I mean, thousands, you note time in role and gaps between role, right? And so all of a sudden, if you're like six months, nine months, 12 months, 12 months, four months, eight months, like that signifies something that scares the heck out of recruiters. And I think the invitation here is Where might that actually add value, but man, there's a gap between what companies are actually looking for with the security and sustainability of that person's in a role. Now we don't have to think about it for a while versus inviting this kind of dynamic thinking and these
1: very diverse perspectives that a resume like that brings. You know, I'm actively looking for rule breakers when the system is designed to look for rule followers and conformists. And the reason why is that is a different kind of intelligence that's more powerful uh, over time. Similarly, when I'm looking to hire people, I am looking for jumpers. Because what that signifies to me is that they're individuals who can learn very quickly and who get bored easily and move on. Now, like if there's no competency, mm-hmm. this does not apply. But when there's clear competency, that demonstrates that they're mastering a role very quickly and, and having enough agency and not a lot of fear to move on. This is an excellent quality in a human being because it means they don't have insecurities, they have a higher tolerance for risk, and they are committed to their own growth and their own happiness in ways that that many people just feel stopped because, you know, the system uh, doesn't allow that kind of quick movement. So for me, I've pretty much tried everything. I've been in PR, marketing, operations. I've started my own companies, I've helped other companies. I have had a venture capital fund and I've worked as an employee. I've worked in product, I've worked with innovators, I've worked with artists, I come from Hollywood. Like, it is a fucking mess. You know, in terms of like looking at my resumes, like, what is this chick about? Right. And yet that, that is by design that is not you know, lost on me. And it is because of my particular personality, my particular skills that I have learned how to invest in my core intelligence and have fearlessly gone about it in a way to give my own self an education and to give myself the expansiveness of experience in order to gain different insights. And typically these people tend to also be more original thinkers. Which is a huge value that i'm looking for because it's more difficult to be original thinkers when you don't have a more expansive base of experience and knowledge set to where you're making connections that aren't easily made so original thinkers are tend to make um very strange connections disparate connections between several different things right and this happens usually uh because somebody is more expansive in in what they're tackling and they're more experimental in in what they're doing and they're testing their own limits and they're also investing in and in very clear in their strengths. So these this is exactly what I'm looking for, Chelsea, which is the opposite of how the recruiting systems are designed and individual recruiters are trained. And I think this is an incredible missed opportunity. By the way, most innovators are doing this kind of stuff, right? Entrepreneurial thinkers are like, and and why wouldn't we want more of these atypical kind of excellent people working for our companies. And actually, these are the people who could have a lot of potential for great leadership. And even outside of great leadership would be fantastic individual contributors for as long as they were happy. Here's another factor that I've noticed is that when I've hired or worked with atypical people, their contributions in six months to a year tend to be 10X someone else in the same role for three to five years. And this is the math that is not being done in companies. So in other words, what that means is, is when you have a particular person that has a high competency and has all of the variables to do very well in that job, they can provide more value in a short amount of time. And that shouldn't be missed. (laughs) That's awesome. So even if they do leave quickly and that role has to be filled again more quickly than anticipated, the value that was given to the company is huge. And so there's not a loss there. There's a net gain taking a step back and thinking about one of my experiences
0: earlier in my career when I was an employee of an acquired company and I had this retention contract, right? So for two years, the way I can see it in retrospect is for two years, I was slowly dying on the vine. Like, yes, I was getting exposure, but I there was a super sophisticated career path. Like I use air quotes there again. I know this is a podcast, so I have to say it, but like There were, there was every resource available at this global best in class organization for me to grow. And it's the period of my career where I grew the least. If I had left the work that I could have done to actually grow and acquire new skills and build my career in those two years would have profoundly exceeded staying. And so the other thing about that is that I mean, having been on the inside, so to speak, and trying to build these things with the intent is pure, right? The intent is chart a course for employees to kind of get on. It's almost like going around the shoots and ladder board. Like, how can we get to the next path? But that's the thing that gets in the way. And so this is kind of like summing up the conversation we've had to this point. Instead of removing the barriers one by one, companies are trying to create this outcome rather than getting out of their own way and really creating a culture where if they foster a culture where people are encouraged and rewarded for thinking this way, and they're not the only ones doing it, the outcome is that people do grow and achieve new heights in their careers and Diversify their careers. And it's not because you put them on some plan. It's because you hired people that were the right fit and you got out of their way. And so, what I'm really advocating for is a culture shift, which is all about mindset and practice and a strong commitment to rethinking the structures and the norms that are in place. And I don't know to the extent that people are thinking about this, I don't know the extent to which people might actually push back on this. So I would actually love to hear from people if they're like, wait, you didn't consider this point. But it's been my experience and it's been your experience and it's been the experience of the aggregate of employees we've worked with who have never actually achieved anything with these traditional plans, but who can absolutely thrive in a place where this is rewarded and recognized as superior to staying put.
1: So I. So agree with everything you said, Chelsea. I think that career pathing is mostly bullshit because it becomes a dangling carrot. It becomes a kind of semi-promise that actually cannot be fulfilled.
0: Yes, we know what happens after a year for people who aren't growing, right? Because we see two of the primary reasons that employees leave businesses are the lack of career development or career growth. And the second one that's very common is that they're having trouble with their manager. Like we've all heard the adage, people don't leave companies, they leave managers. And what this idea
1: actually solves for is both of those things. Another solution to this movement is creating new jobs within the company that don't yet exist and what others who are actually working in the company are identifying as important and even necessary. This is a whole other area that I think is really important culture shift and business strategy. I mean, this is is the most beautiful place that we could imagine for individuals at companies to create and be able to fulfill new roles that solve important problems for the company.
0: I'm just picturing for all the people listening who have anything to do with workforce planning or financing or any of the forecasting around people, they must be getting a headache right now, trying to wrap their heads around how do you forecast for this? But instead we're focused on attrition rates and backfill and all the costs to hire and train talent. And so I think the focus is in the wrong place. We want to unpack this and understand where are the levers? What are the systems holding us back when we think about rewards and celebrations versus all the limitations that are currently in place? And where are the little tweaks? There's an an aspect of becoming here where the outcome that we're looking for, that we're building all these career paths to get to, is actually being undermined by the career path itself. And if we didn't
1: do any of that, I actually think we would have better results. Yeah, it's similar to R&D. Companies have R&D departments because it's an investment into experimentation and exploration that gives companies a massive advantage and potential advantages and opportunities into the future. So R&D is all about locating new opportunities that didn't exist before and experimenting and developing things that could be freaking amazing. So why aren't we using these same principles across company systems? we could start things and just experiment and try. I don't think we're here saying that we have all the answers. And by the way, the the solutions might vary from company to company. Every company and every industry is very different and the kind of knowledge and competency that is required from individuals varies. But what I do know is that this has worked in, in a very clear way in an individual basis and pretty much Everyone I've ever spoken to, you know, can attest to these principles being accurate, even if there's certain details and restrictions that are limiting some of these decisions or some of these explorations to to happen in certain instances. What I want to really bring home is that if we value innovation and if we value growth, if we value competency excellence these are the things that most every company will talk about and yet how are we investing in the humans that are being expected to execute on these values there's a huge opportunity here inside deep hypocrisy. <laughs> and all humans are hypocritical. So of course, our, our institutions and what we create will be hypocritical too. But the opportunity here is to not be hypocritical. And we do have uh, certain examples within kinds of departments, whether it's R&D or the military or certain instances within certain industries where this is happening and has been super successful. So why are we not looking And prioritizing the opportunity to invest in our people in ways that seem pretty, again, common sense. Like if we actually bring attention to these issues, I don't think that you and I are surfacing anything original here. (laughs) I keep saying that because I think it's true. Like it's not like uh, there's a lot of original thinking happening. We're surfacing, I think, what everyone knows, but just people are not discussing. And certainly leaders are not talking about and um, the power structures are holding on to some of the things that absolutely do not work and that need to be improved. I've actually been engaged in conversations
0: after leaving a company and they said, oh my gosh, we wish we could have engaged and thought about something really creative before you made that decision to leave. The reality is though that engaging with us and doing this kind of work is an absolute
1: proactive and prevention strategy Everyone that I've ever helped move to a different position a hundred percent of the time is like that was awesome and way, way better. And I think that the majority of people have said that they wish they had moved sooner. And this is you know all of the the use cases that we have to substantiate what we think is a consistent time frame. We're here presenting the problem and offering a place to start for places to explore and adapt and see if we can become better. And I think that our people deserve it. I
0: absolutely agree. And I'm so grateful to have you as a partner to bring this conversation to the surface and help other people think through not just their felt experience, which I think resonates. I think everyone could probably think about, oh, that one time, yeah, I I could have grown or I stayed too long. But also think about areas in their business where they can think differently, act differently, lead differently, and take it upon themselves in certain cases to be an instigator of change. And if you would like to work with us, click the link in our show notes. It'll take you to LinkedIn. You can engage. We would love to learn about your company and the opportunities that might exist to partner.